welcome to CigarCast, your weekly one-stop shop for all things cigar-related, including industry news, reviews, and everything in between. We're recording live from Crown Cigars and Ales here in beautiful Brentwood, Tennessee. I'm one of your hosts, Trey Dimon. I'm joined as I am every week by Mr. Shane Reeves. So I have to cut to the chase. Okay. Who has the best wife in the world? Oh, what happened? So, you know, yes, sometimes, you know, wives work a full day. They come home. They help kids with homework. They... They do all that kind of stuff, and that's wonderful. That's a wonderful wife, as well as husbands can do the same thing. But I hold in my hand one of a box of 15-year-old cigars my wife acquired from me. That is a thing of beauty. I saw you pull it out, and I didn't realize that that's what that was. Yeah, last night I got home, and Glenda said, "Is there? why are there two red boxes in your humidor? And I said, I don't know. So I look, and she had bought me a box from, I'll tell the story in a minute. It's a CAO Sopranos limited edition cigar. This is the boss. This is the 7 by 52 Bellicoso. Bellicoso. And I guess it's kind of a, a steroid Bellicoso, because that's pretty no, big that, for a Bellicoso. That's what a, that's what a belly should be. Should uh, say... So the wrapper is Brazilian, the binder is Honduran, the filler is Nicaraguan, Dominican, and Colombian. I've smoked a couple of these cigars, most notably when my pastor, good friend, first found out that his wife was pregnant and that they were having a baby girl. We bought this. This was one of the first $20 cigars I ever bought in my cigar career. Yeah. Thankfully, my wife didn't pay that per cigar for a box (laughs) of them. But a friend of ours that is a rep was in a little out-of-the-way shop in the middle of nowhere, and they had these on the shelf. And he bought, uh, Glenda told him to buy the whole box for me, and he bought the whole box for me and brought it back. So this was released in 2005. It was number 25 on the Cigar Aficionado's Top 25 that year. Yeah. And just an amazing smoke, and now I own a it, whole box of And them. one of your favorites, one of your all-time favorite cigars, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I've always spoke so highly of this cigar, so just, if, any, if anybody thinks they've got the best wife ever, gave you a kidney, something like that, no. It, it doesn't 15 compare 15-year-old cigar right here. Which is funny, because <laughs> I know you had talked to that friend of ours about how, about picking those up for you, so it's it's neat that she went behind your back and did it for you. That she put it all together. Yeah. So what are what are you smoking tonight that can't possibly equal up to this? Well, I, I fully <laughs> I, I fully agree with that. No, uh, so I am smoking an AJ Fernandez Last Call, which is a cigar. I, I'm a huge AJ Fernandez fan. I love the spice that is so flavor forward on their all of his cigars. Um, but the Last Call came out. I want to say in 2015. I don't remember exactly, um, but it's uh, all Nicaraguan binder and filler underneath uh, Pennsylvania Broadleaf wrapper. I'm smoking the Robusto size. Uh, This was a cigar that was gifted to me by a friend of ours after we wrapped up the show last week. So I'm really looking forward. I actually managed to hold on to it for an entire week without smoking it, even though I've been wanting to try this cigar since they announced it. So I'm really looking forward to it. It's definitely going to be a different experience from the cigar that you're smoking. But I'm really looking forward to this. Well, this is interesting because this is CAO before General owned CAO. This is when CAO was just a Nashville-based company here. Um, And definitely the oldest shelved cigar that we've ever smoked on this show. Uh Uh-huh. In 2005, it's now 2019, 13 to 15 years between those two. Um, And holy cow, there's a sweet, um, a sweet nutty, have you ever, have you ever um, eaten chestnuts off the ground? Pick chestnuts up, you know, they come in that little spiky shell and you have to skin them. They're almost a leathery skin on them. I've never, I don't even know that I've ever seen a chestnut. Oh, we'll, we'll have to go chestnut hunting. My granddaddy on his farm had a chestnut tree. And they fall in a spiky ball, and there's four chestnuts per ball. And you have to take your feet and pull the ball apart so that it doesn't stick your hands and get the chestnuts out. And every year we would go and gather chestnuts for around Christmas time, but we never roasted them. I don't know who who's, who would go through the trouble of roasting them. That would just dry them out. 
but that's what this tastes like. It's that sweet, and it's it's just wonderful. How is it compared to what you remember it? Um, it's a lot mellower than what I remember. Okay. I remember that more Brazilian metallic taste, and this has none of that. This is just, um, you know, I keep saying sweet, but it's sweet on a different level. Right. No, absolutely. It's nut sweet, not sugar sweet. Exactly. So I'm just, I'm going to sit here and just enjoy this cigar. You're, the, you're on your own for the rest of the show, Trey. <laughs> Knock yourself out. Well, I know you want to talk a legislative update, which we'll get to in a moment, but I want to start with another piece of legislation that's not due to the FDA. This is a, a, something that came out this week, and uh, it's, it's a Connecticut state congressman has filed a suit in that state that will make a change to their bill that currently prohibits uh, tobacco lounges and bars from being able to expand or change location. So that was in 2002, or at the end of the year in 2002, basically, whatever your cigar shop was, that's what it had to stay forevermore. And they haven't made the full text of the bill public yet, but essentially what it boils down to is that it provided an exemption for cigar bars um, on indoor smoking that allows them to make changes to their space, to expand or to move if they need to. Um, what Basically, the reason I pulled this up is because, number one, it just makes sense. I, I understand the grandfather clause of, you know, we're not going to allow indoor smoking anymore. Every state, as far as I know, in the union now has a smoking ban for indoor locations. And a lot of states, you know, Tennessee did did it right, in my opinion, which is that you can you can still open an establishment that allows smoking indoors as long as it's 21 and up and a, a, a few other things. But a lot of states, what they did was basically if you operated a tobacco store and lounge before the ban went into place, you could continue and you were grandfathered in, but they disallowed anyone new from being able to open up. This is one of those things that just chafes my cookies. It, it does me too. Let the people decide if a business is viable or not. Not only that, but government grow a pair. Mm -hmm. Either ban it or leave it alone. But these half measures and ambiguity and all the okay, we're not gonna get we're not gonna kill you, we're gonna let you choke to death slowly. Yeah. That's just stupid. It, it just drives me nuts. Well, and it I think it speaks to the um, perhaps outdated view that a lot of people have over what cigar smoker what a cigar smoker looks like and I think it comes from these legislators bending to the loud groups about how smoking is killing us all but realizing that the the men in the tuxes and tails and, and ties and suits that are hanging out in these cigar are lobbyists and they're other senators and they're people who vote and I think it's one of the, one of those things where they're they're bending to the will of one while trying to stay loyal to another. When in all actuality, that that's not the modern day cigar smoker. But I think a lot of people still view it as powerful men in suits, so they don't want to piss those people off. I I just I don't know why people can't just let people do what they want as long as it doesn't harm another. Yeah. If you come into this cigar lounge, you know you're going to be exposed to cigar smoke. If you get a job at the cigar lounge, you know you're going to be exposed to cigar smoke. Those are the chances you take. Yeah, exactly. You know, and well, and Cigar Rights of America actually came out in support of the bill, which to me says all you need to know. I know I shouldn't be this ticked off. It's a good bill. It should pass. But the fact that it has to exist is right. the, the problem. The fact yeah. that it was ever an issue to begin with is is terrible. But the idea is that it's going to create more or give the opportunity for more small business owners to, to open business as well as, you know, expansion uh, of, of business that are already in, in, in operation. I, th I think it's a great deal. I hate that it has to come to that. Uh, I agree with you. Either ban it or don't, and I'm definitely on the side of don't because if an adult wants to make a choice about how they spend their evening and their money, you should let them. Well, and it's like, you know, this story that I have that it's another one of those that just absolutely drives you nuts. Um, New Hampshire State Representative Timothy Horrigan, Democrat, he introduced a bill that would no longer exempt premium cigars from the state tobacco tax, tax in New Hampshire. So 65.03% on the wholesale price of premium cigars is what he's proposing. 
that's taking a cigar that's nine dollars and fifty cents to twelve dollars and fifty nine cents. That's insanity. And he's doing it's just cash grab. I mean, and here's the thing. This is the part that just drives me up the wall. The revenue he projects to make five hundred and eighteen thousand one hundred and fifty eight dollars. That politically, is that not peanuts and below? It seems like it. It also surprises me, and I realize most of the New England states aren't very smoker or cigar friendly just to begin with. But I feel like, I mean, granted, it's a small state, but still to increase the tobacco tax by that much and only make half a million dollars, it just seems really misguided and short-sighted. Well, that's, a, and that's an overinflated number as well, because if, if here... If here in Nashville, Tennessee, our cigar was nine dollars and fifty cents, and across the border, in, or it was twelve dollars and fifty nine cents, and across the border in Alabama, it was nine dollars and fifty. Guess where we'd be recording this show? Yeah, guess it would where more we'd than go. make up for the gas we we paid to get over there. Not to mention the fact that you can still buy online and have them shipped in for now. What would be less than half price? Yeah, I mean, there, this all this is going to do because is, he doesn't account for the how much sales are going to drop off as a result of that. Right, it's just going to destroy the brick-and-mortar cigar business in New Hampshire. That's really all this bill is going to do. Which is really a shame because New Hampshire used to be a business-friendly state. That used to be a state like Nevada where people would incorporate so that they could get the benefits of opening and operating a business. And to have them cutting off their the noses of their small business brick-and-mortar retailers in that state, just doesn't. It, it just doesn't seem like a hill you want to die on. On happy news, I have another one of these in my case for you. Oh. That I'm going to give you out of my personal selection because you need to experience this cigar with that kind of age. And that was that good to start with. You know, we always say a good cigar gets better with age. Right. A bad cigar will probably never get good with age. And a great cigar will only get better with age. This cigar and that age on it. Set yourself. I know it's not a Vitola that you usually engage in. Yeah, but that for that cigar, I'll make an exception. But set aside some time and enjoy that. Like I said, I brought one for you because I'm, I'm, I'm that very guy. appreciative of that. <laughs> well, you know, it's interesting because the the last call that you had, I'm, I'm getting away from the legislative stuff. That's for fine. A few Let's minutes take a break. I'm tired yeah. of yelling into the microphone. I'm sure your ears are tired of me yelling <laughs> into the microphone. Never. If if that were the case, we would have stopped at episode 52. <laughs> the nature of the cigar lounge. This is the beauty of the cigar lounge. You know, I handed a cigar to a friend here one night and I said, and it would be rude of me to hand one to you and not hand one to your buddy because two guys sitting there smoking together. Right. And I and I I'd won the Caldwell game and it um by the way my wife won the poker game last night. I saw night. that. She she beat me. But I handed the Don't cig- sound so surprised. Probably shouldn't. <laughs> But I handed one cigar. I'll tell you the joke about that in a minute. I handed a cigar that I had won to one of the guys, and then I handed one to his buddy. And I said, I can't imagine being rude enough to hand one just to you and not hand one to your friend. Now, if they're sitting in a group of six. That's different. Yeah, you don't want to do it like you're dealing out cards. Right. Uh, but I think, what is the, what is the etiquette on that? Because we need to cover That's a piece of etiquette we never covered. Well, and the reason, <clears throat> the reason you bring it up, is because the guy that you said that to is who gave me this last call because he gave you one and he saw us sitting there talking together and he came over and he said, oh, I can't give you one and not give your buddy one. He was paying it forward in, in, to an extent. And um, no, I think the etiquette is, is kind of how you laid it out. If, if you've got a friend that you want to give a cigar to and he's sitting there with a companion who's also smoking, Maybe two, depending on how good a friend it is and how well you know the other the other two guys. But at least if it's a one-on-one interaction there, I think, yeah, give this guy a cigar and then give the other guy a cigar as well. Um, but once it gets above two people, maybe three, I think that's when you just to your friend and that's the end of it. So now answer me this. When you have a friend sitting in a group of five or six, and you have a cigar you want to give him. Pull him do away you, from the group. Do you cut him from the herd? Yep. 
you try to you throw your lasso around him, try to cut him from the herd before you give him the cigar yes. or her, whoever or, the case or, may or be, or whatever the case may be. Just tap tap him on the shoulder and say, "Hey, come here for a second. I got something for you." Now that be the exception being to that, I have to determine now if I've been rude or not. Um, you know, Jimmy Labriola when he got announced that he was going to play Carnegie Hall. Yeah. I went and bought him a Liga 99. I knew it was his cigar. I knew it meant a lot to him. And I walked up to him, and he was with some other guys, but I said, Jimmy, I want you to enjoy this after your Carnegie Hall. Well, yeah, and that's a, that's a different – that's a horse of a different color because that's a special occasion. That's not just a, hey, I know you'll appreciate this cigar. Here you go. That's a – I mean, because we give – one of the things I love about the cigar shop is that when someone's having a birthday – they walk out of that shop with a, two handfuls of cigars, usually, if they're a regular, because people... But, and usually, if it's someone on their birthday, they're sitting at a table full of people, and there's no expectation that you give it to everybody. You give it to that guy, because it's his special day. You know, in the case of this, the Liga 9 that you gave to Jimmy, I think that's a perfect example of, this is a special occasion, this is something for him in, in you know, in celebration of his momentous achievement, I think that's total. I think that flies absolutely. So, are we overthinking this, or is this? Should this be some rules to really think about when when gifting cigar? I, you know, I, we may be overthinking it a little bit, but I think that really comes to comes down to just who you and I are as people. We are very generous people. We're very inclusive people, and we're always going to try and, and take that extra step to make sure someone feels included. And you know, and I think that's something you know. But it's another situation where, you know, your individual mileage may vary. You know, depending on how, you know, this may be a cigar that you you really, like, saw this. You and this guy had, had talked about this particular cigar. They don't have it at your regular shop, and you were out, and you found it, and you get... And maybe you're not spending a whole lot. Maybe your budget's a little tighter than some other people's, and you don't... You know, that's different. I, I also think it needs to be a situation where you can give the same cigar to both. You know, don't just give a cigar to the guy's buddy just to give him a cigar. But if you have multiples to give away of the same cigar, then I think that's where that becomes the presentation. Well, it's interesting. Have you noticed when this is interesting social thing i'm pulling the show over a little from cigars i'd be surprised if you didn't have you noticed that older people have a harder time accepting gifts than younger people i have you know if if i were a baby boomer i would say it was because of the entitlement of the millennial generation i don't think that's necessarily the case um but i have noticed that as well that there's a certain group of people that have a harder time accepting gifts or at least maybe are more appreciative of it you know like oh you know there's a difference between thank you i really appreciate that and you know the person who says thank you six times and make sure you know that you really appreciate that that sort those are more the differences that i notice the experience i had was met with my mother has six brothers and i'm not close to all my uncles but i met with one met one of the uncles in cracker barrel with his family totally random he lives 50 miles south of there you know it was totally a random meeting that we met yeah by no means planned or anything like that he had just had a hip replacement a couple of months before was still walking with a cane and could barely do it when the check came at cracker barrel i grabbed it and said i want to pay for this and if i had not been out able to outrun that man with the bum hip and the cane he would not have let me pay for that meal well i think that one is kind of di- i think that's one of those things that's kind of hard for me um and i kind of understand it as as the nephew as the you know there's going to come a day all right let me go back a few steps cuz i'm i'm all over the place with this one I remember gro- going out to everyone. Eat. His arms are flailing oh, like a windmill. Well, He's I'm trying to three I'm, passerbys. He may set the cigar shop on fire. Well, <laughs> if you if you've ever seen uh, Minority Report with Tom Cruise and that board where he moves, well, because I'm trying to put the pieces in the right order in my mind. I remember going out to eat with my family when I was a kid, and my grandmother would be with us, and my parents would always pay for my grandparents' meal. And I and but it's one of those things that I can't imagine. Granted, my daughter's only ten, but I can't imagine getting to the point where I'm letting her pay for my meal like that. 
that's gonna that's one of those things where it kind of at a certain point your kids take care of you right and, and even if it's just a simple gesture like paying for dinner so how this ties back to your story is as the uncle and the nephew I, I think there may be some of that generational relationship that dictates that he wouldn't want you to buy a meal for him because it is, as the it elder is weird. Statesman, yeah. It is weird that that thought process, because this is a, you know, this is not an uncle I'm exceptionally close to, but he did buy me my first pocket knife and it was a huge deal in my yeah. life. And I have no doubt that anything I needed from him, he would be happy to do for me. And uh, we're not, you know, we're not super close like I am with my other uncle that I hunt with all the time, but we're close in passing. But it's funny because I would always consider it a compliment, you know, if if my nephew, you know, that I'm super close to, he's closest thing to a son as I'll have. If he came to me and we were having dinner and he said, hey, let me catch a check tonight, would not bother, would tickle me to death, would make me feel like I did a good job. Absolutely, absolutely. But I think there may be a little bit of a generational difference there. I, I, I don't know. Have you ever bought dinner for your, fa- your parents? Only, only once or twice. See, I do, I do it fairly regularly when they're in town and we have lunch or something together. At least half the time, I pick up the bill. Well, we, I, it's also this sort of unique situation with my family is that I have a stepsister who's 14, just about to turn 15. And so when, when my family goes out, it's usually me and, like, five other people. So it becomes right. a little bit more difficult for me to pick up the check in that situation. Right. I never eat, I never eat dinner in groups of six or more. So Well, we've just got such a big family that that oftentimes becomes the norm. And, you know, we will go Dutch and stuff like that. It's there's You know, at this point, I don't expect my parents to pick up the bill when we go out to eat. Uh, not that I ever really expected it, but you know what I mean. And, but yeah, so it becomes a little bit, but it, in the event that I was eating out with just my dad and stepmom, I, I would have no issues, and I don't think they would have any issues picking up the check. Well, it does seem like it's a little more uncomfortable for the baby boomer generation to accept that than it is for the Gen Xers or the Millennials. Yeah, I think so. But uh, which is, it's just... It, but I think it kind of comes back to that generation stereotype of not liking handouts, not liking things being given to them, and I think right. that maybe some of it comes from that. Okay, so back on cigars. I'm jumping around a lot tonight. Well, why don't we take a quick break? We're getting about halfway point in the show, and uh, we'll jump in the cigar under eight, and then we'll come back and talk a little bit more. You see, the cigar is called the boss. Well, I, I'm going to have Trey whacked at the, I was during so, the. I was so busy talking with all my hands, I didn't look at the time, but we're. Yeah, we're, we're time to step away. So well, I didn't give you the high sign. That's you why and me I hijacked. The boys the are going out back to talk about this. Right. We'll be back. I thought I One saw Jimmy Knuckles over there. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll be back just right after this. Shane here with this week's Cigar Under Eight. Going to talk about something a little different this week. This is a house blend that I picked up. It's the Corona Cigar Nicaraguan Selection 20th and Edition Anniversary Edition Maduro. That's a mouthful. Yeah. And uh, the wrapper's a Mexican San Andreas Maduro, and the origin, it's all Nicaraguan binder and filler. These cigars, they were really inexpensive. Um, you know, six, seven dollars a cigar. And I ordered several, ordered a box of them just because I wanted to try it. When I first got them, I was not impressed. Six months of aging, they have come alive. And is this a cigar that you can get mail order from them? Yeah, it's a mail order. It's mail order. It's one you can get it if you're at the Corona stores in Orlando. But I mail ordered these because I was ordering some other stuff for Glenda. And I was really shocked how just a little age, I don't even think it was aging the tobacco. I think it was just getting it properly humidified coming from their warehouse and putting it in my humidor and letting the humidification reach the proper level. So when looking to buy a cheap cigar, probably should allow a little more time. We don't talk about enough. Allow a little more time to get it normalized. Well, and I find that especially true on house blends and cigars made in-house. You know, we talk about hand rolls at events and stuff like that. But I think that's a great rule of thumb. 
So until next week, try Corona Nicaraguan 20th anniversary Maduro. Welcome back to the Cigar Cast. During the break, I made Trey an offer he couldn't refuse. <laughs> Most famous mob line ever. I think so. By the way, if you're a mob a mob entertainment aficionado like I am, mm-hmm. watch Bad Blood on Netflix. Is it good? It is wonderful. It has. It's Kim- a Netflix original, right? Yes, it is. It's about a Canadian mob. It's based on true stories. Okay. It has Kim Coates on it. He played Tig on Sons of Anarchy. And believe it or not, I'm going to bring all this back together. And just a, he's an amazing actor. He's him and Walter Goggins are two of those actors that never get the, the pub they deserve. They're never going to be in a blockbuster. They're never going to play in a, yeah. a Marvel movie, but they're always just masters of their craft. So it's it's a ep- episodic kind of thing. Is it multi episode? Six episode miniseries. Okay, so they're not going to do an, another season of it. No, I'll have to check that out. As much as I like historical fiction and, and non-fiction, it, it, I think I'll really like you, it. You would really enjoy it. But it's coming back. I'm smoking tonight the CAO Sopranos, the boss. So I have to ask, what is your since you are a, a mob movie and TV show aficionado, what is your favorite of all time? If yours isn't The Godfather, then we have nothing left to talk about. <laughs> no, it is. <laughs> it is. But there's a, you know, Casino's really good. Goodfellas is really good. It's about 45 minutes too long, but it's really good. Because Goodfellas is like full metal jacket. It's half of a good movie. Mm-hmm. The back half of the movie. Once Ray Liotta starts selling dope, it it totally goes off the rails. If, when you watch Goodfellas, when they shoot Joe Pesci, turn it off. We're done. Yeah, that's the movie. That's it. That's it. Just call that the end of the movie. Shake hands. Go your separate ways. Goodfellas. Or, um, Full Metal Jacket, when the guy shoots the sergeant, shoots, um, what's Ar- his name? Ar- he just Arlie Army. Arlie Army. When he shoots him, call it a night. Yeah. Take it, take off that was, and just assume it was a good movie. Although with Full Metal Jacket, I would say wait two days and go back and start where they go to Vietnam as its own movie. Because the back half of that movie is not bad. It's just not anywhere near as good as the first half. Right. Yeah, I guess that's it. But, by the way, this CAO Sopranos was number 25 on Cigar Aficionado's list in 2005. Would you like to hazard a guess what number one Cigar of the Year in 2005 was? 14 years ago. Keep in mind, the Aficionado list only started in 2004. That's true. Um, okay. Without belaboring this too much, is it from a major retailer? It is. <laughs> and I actually, I'll have to ask you, because I actually believe this is one of those where they violated their own rule and used a special edition. <laughs> was it a Fuente? It was. It was the Fuente Fuente Opus X Double Corona. Well, we kind of talked about that at the Stogie Awards this year, about how Opus doesn't really count as a special release, even though it kind of is. Yeah, it kind of is the um, notable... Uh, I was actually going to do the full Opus X guess, but I wasn't, I wasn't quite confident in that. Well, I, I didn't want us to run out of time again before we finished talking about all of our material, so I went ahead and... But um, notable on 2005's list, number 21, the Xeno Platinum phenomenal cigar. The Scepter Series Chubby Tubos. I don't remember that one. That, the, that's the series of Zeno. Oh, 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 yeah, yeah. Um, a cigar you don't see anymore, the Camacho Corojo Diadema. No, you don't see that. Although, I've t- talked about that uh, cigar shop in Albuquerque that I love so much that was full of hidden gems. They had a couple in there. This was several years ago. I doubt they still do. But man, that was a great cigar. Number six was the La Aurora Preferido Number One, Connecticut. Still a great cigar. Still, still on the list, and of course, number three, the Padron 1964 Anniversary Series Exclusivo. And I wonder that cigar—that's around the time that cigar came out. 
maybe maybe around the time that it was released um let's see here because i want to say that cigar came out in the early 2000s yeah you get here's how long ago it, you know 2005 don't sound like it was a long time ago the 1964 anniversary series exclusivo the five and a half by 50 Nine dollars and twenty cents, and I remember paying that for it. Going, oh my god, this is an expensive cigar. If you want to know how long ago that was, how much? How much was an Opus in two thousand five? Two thousand five, an Opus was still fourteen fifty. Yeah. So it's interesting that it Padron, hasn't really gone up that much. Yeah, the Opus hadn't gone up that much, but the Padron has tripled, at least doubled. Well, the the size on that one is the small one, so it's not quite. I don't think it's even doubled yet. Yeah, so just thought I would touch on that as I as I what a fun trip down the wormhole. And just for reference, I started smoking cigars in two thousand and four, so that's been. I mean, I because re, I remember going to an event at the cigar shop in Waco when they released the Sobrano cigar. Well, it's just a. It's always been one of my favorite, and I am astonished how well this cigar is aged. The age on this is just mind-numbing. And to tell you just how much the industry has changed since then, back in 2005 at that event, you walked in the door, they gave you a cigar. None of this buy four, get one stuff that we do now, they gave you a cigar. And if the FDA has their way, they'd take this rep to jail for that. Yeah. So... Um, Orchid Lounge at Live Casino in Hanover, Maryland, has created the first cigar-friendly area. Which is the way it should be. Well, If you're at a casino, you should be able to smoke a cigar. This, Yeah, because nothing is worse than somebody sitting next to you at the blackjack table just mainlining cigarettes as quick as they can get one lid into the other and throwing them in the ashtray and just polluting and destroying or the, the really, you know hippie over in the corner of his vape pen sucking down juice for whatever reason. All of that stuff just drives me nuts. And then they say, oh, I'm sorry, you can't light that cigar. You mean this thing that would make the room smell wonderful? Yeah. This thing that would actually make me sit here at the table much longer than the little eight-minute cigar you're planning? I mean, how long does it take the average guy to smoke a cigarette? Eight minutes? Uh, I think closer to six or five. Yeah. The, you mean this thing that would actually improve your business? You would rather I didn't light it while sitting here at the table. Yeah, that's. But it's interesting what they did, though. They actually took a portion of the parking garage <laughs> and put tables in it. And I want you to I want you to scroll through these pictures. I've been scrolling through these pictures. They put kind of a forest motif to it with tree decorations. You can see how it's open to the outside. Oh, yeah. They've got heaters and fireplaces and all that sort of thing in there. I do, I do love the fact that you have to still be outside, though. That cracks me up. It it's does beautiful, up, though. But I love the setup. I love the um, the layout of that. Really, it's like they they didn't just create a place where they could get the cigar smokers money. They created a place where the cigar smoker could enjoy giving it to them. Right. And also, um, hats off to the Orchid Lounge at Live Casino. And where was that again? Hanover, Maryland. We might have to... That would be fun to take a little trip up there and see exactly what they've got going on. And it's not a terribly far drive to Maryland from here. No. No, not a... I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a road trip, but I mean, it's not it's a terrible 10 hours, road trip. I think. Yeah, 10, 12 hours. Yeah. You know, my, my line is 12 hours. Anything longer than 12 hours has to be flu. Um, I can drive 12 hours pretty easy. Yeah. You know, two, I usually break it into two days and do six hours a day. Oh, see, I can do, I can do 12 hours in a day, but, which is why my line is about 10 and a half, 11 hours, it, because I don't ever like doing a, a road trip in two days, because then you lose two days. At least if you drive it all in one, you're only losing a day to the road. Yeah, but you kind of, you, it becomes part of the, getting there becomes part of your vacation. You get to relax and you don't feel like you're pushing it and everything like that. I like to, I like to take the two days. I'm going to pull the show over for a moment. Uh-huh. I wish our listeners could experience the full atmosphere of the cigar shop right now. We need to come out with smell-o-vision for podcasts. There's a guy over in the corner that just lit a pipe. And I haven't lit my pipe up yet this year, but man, I forget how good that smells. 
that has just really improved the overall atmosphere in here. Because unlike a flavored cigar that tends to be really sweet and kind of kind of hurts the experience, the aromatic tobacco coming out of that pipe right now is really enhancing the overall atmosphere. That just makes me really happy. Yeah, there's something about a pipe, and when you walk out, when you walk outdoors, you can smell when someone's lit a pipe. Mm-hmm. You know, it just you kind of like a bird dog going on point. Yeah. You can it really feel it. I'm going to have to break out my pipe now. This is that's, <laughs> gave, what, that's what's going to have to happen. Now. Gave you the urge for it. Really it really did. So, this CAO Soprano is a gimmick cigar. And definitely my favorite gimmick cigar of all time. Yeah. What do you do? What's your thoughts on gimmick cigars? I tend to stay away from them, which is why and, and I kind of hate to say this, is why I don't really smoke a whole lot of warped cigars. Because when they first came out, it was the the zombie antidote, and the uh, they had all those that were very, very gimmicky. They came in the little tongue depressor type tubes. That, you know, it was just good. I, I tend to stay away from gimmicky cigars. I think gimmicky cigars can be done well. You know, coming back to Kim Coates. The Sons of Anarchy Clubhouse Edition cigars. Um, Glenda ordered them for me several years ago. They're made by Black Crown. They're a great cigar. Rappers Ecuadorian Habano. They're Nicaraguan. But the box, you've seen the box in my humidor. It's hand-carved with yeah. that Sons of Anarchy logo on the front. To me, that's somebody that did it well. Yeah. And I think you can do them well. Um, a famous gimmick cigar. Have you ever had a Playboy cigar? I have not. Now, I grew up in, I need to know this, because I grew up at a time when Playboy was a lot more important than it is today. When Playboy really represented something so different and vastly changed from what it does today. Has any, is there anything that has changed as much as Playboy in the last 10 years? From, from what it started as to what it became? Well, from significance to nothingness. Mm. You know, at first it was very significant, and it was a big deal. And, you know, a couple of months ago they quit putting nudity in it for a short amount of time and then realized they would sell no magazines, so they brought it back. But has, has it? I wonder, how has that transformation occurred? How did it die so quickly? I think the Internet probably had a lot to do with it. But I think it's also maybe a generational thing. I, I can tell you I've actually never looked at a Playboy. Well, I only read the articles. Oh, of course. That's, that's, but I, like, so as, as someone who's, you know, a little over 30 years old, and, you know, I've, I've seen them, you know, in the book, in the racks and on the thing, but I've never had the desire to pick one up and read it. Oh, when, when Sable, the WWE wrestler, came out it in just, Playboy? It doesn't, it's, it's something that has never just really crossed into my, it's, it's never, interesting. I've it's, never picked one up. Well, now, I've never considered Playboy pornography and all. It's always been, I've always considered it art. I've never considered it pornography, and I don't think it was ever created to be pornography. So it's interesting, but the Playboy cigar, check out this recipe. This is better than this cigar you would think it would have. The origin is Dominican. It's an Ecuadorian Sumatra wrapper, mm. Connecticut broadleaf filler, and Nicara- and also filler from Nicaragua and Peru. Interesting. Now, is that not that's a little better pedigree than I would expect for a gimmick cigar? Who put that out? Do you remember? Does that it have was a, um, Playboy put it out? Oh, it wasn't like from any. Well, I guess no. that was before the era of the collaboration where everyone put their name on it. I guess they would just sell the rights out, whatever factory it wasn't. The most recent one of these gimmick cigars is they actually put out the. Um, Empire Cigar, the Smoking Empire. Remember that record show that I never watched on Fox, Empire? Yeah. I think it's still on, isn't it? Is it still on? I I wouldn't know. I think we have a cigar cast first. Why is that? I think you're going to finish your cigar before I, the end I'm, of the show. I'm about to put it down. I'm done. Well, that's it's, unusual. I've w- That thing smoked so fast. Well, but now, if you read the advertisements on the last call, that's what they were designed for. They were designed to be a fast smoke. It was designed to be your last cigar of the night, and that be, you but, know, But what's that, it. maybe 30 minutes? Yeah. That was a quick smoke. It was very, very good. Well, very interesting how quick that went. But do you want to talk about the Churchill app? 
let's do it. Let me. I've got it pulled up here. So uh, people who follow us on Facebook will have seen that I posted this uh, earlier in the week, with the end of last week. Um, so, and this is what's so funny is it's not even a cigar smoking app. There's an app called Churchill Solitaire, and basically. Uh, Winston Churchill was renowned for his love of a particular type of solitaire, which has some extra cards thrown in. I think you play it with two decks. Um, anyway, the icon for the app pictured uh, Churchill's profile, kind of like Hitchcock, honestly, and um, with a cigar in his mouth and then like an ace and a spade on the thing. It, it's kind of neat. Anyway, Google pulled it from the Play Store because of the cigar. Yeah, which is insane because there are numerous cigar apps, but they pulled it because the icon... And here's the thing. If Google is becoming very rapidly the evil empire. Oh, you know, yeah. Google owns YouTube, and Dennis Prager and them are currently suing Google over the, their editing of YouTube, their harassment right. of PragerU, which, by the way, if you don't listen to one or two PragerU a week, I don't know what you're doing with yourself at but all. I, it's brilliant people. The but. thing that really chaps my hide about this is that they reinstated it, um, and then... I'm trying to find it. Um, I can't... Oh... All right, so the matter was resolved after a week after emailing with Google customer support. Um, he explained that the game's content rating now includes references to tobacco use. So they put it up, but now it has a freaking warning associated with it because it d depicts tobacco use. Well, and here's what it makes Google look even worse is... Uh, a portion of the game's proceeds go to support U.S. military veterans and families of the fallen. Yeah, and, and to the Churchill Heritage Foundation. So, and it's not like Google called and said, hey, um, folks, we don't really like the cigar being on the icon. Could you possibly pull that for us? We really would like to just no. do that. And when they pulled it, they pulled it without explanation. Yeah, they just, oh, well, we, they, they think they run the show. Competition is the best thing in the world. Right. Competition makes everything better. There's nothing in life that cigars are as good as they are because of competition. And Google right now is fixing to have a big fall because they're fixing to find, you know, things like this make people rise up and give them competition. Right. The problem is that cigar smoking is such a small niche that you know, I don't know how big the voice would be. But I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if within the next decade we see uh, an antitrust suit against Google, similar to what happened with Microsoft in the 90s, because they've got a, a basically monopoly-style hold on a lot of content on the Internet. And I really think the time is coming, especially because of stuff like this, where they're proving that, they, that they're willing to overreach. I wouldn't be surprised at all if... if Congress comes down and says, you guys need to break this up. Yeah, which I'm I'm not in favor of Congress doing things like that. I'm not in favor of Congress being involved in business. I'm in favor of the market dictating. I would much rather Except, live in a world where Google does this and people say, okay, that's it. I'm going to find a different video service than YouTube. The problem is there isn't one. And, that, and that's why these antitrust laws are... Because you and I agree that a smaller government is a better government. Um, I, I believe that wholeheartedly. However... Some things, like antitrust policy, actually does benefit the consumer. And not just in the way they say it benefits the consumer, but it really is serving their own interests. Like some, Because there is nothing you can do. YouTube is it. They're the only game in town. So you can't go anywhere else. Maybe Vimeo, but they're too small, and they don't really have the, you know... But how quick can somebody take off of that stuff? I mean, the thing is, that stuff will happen. Except they can't because then Google comes in and they make, make them an offer. They, because what they can do, and this is, where the, this is where it really comes down, is when you Google search for something, they squash all of their competitors. I'm not saying they do this, but they very easily could. Any of the people that are marked as a competitor, they get downgraded to the third page of results where no one ever goes. But and if, so they eliminate 
competition from being able to come into the market. And that's the very reason why that... If a Netflix or an Amazon tomorrow said, hey, now with your, your Prime and Netflix subscription, we have a free video sharing service, it would take a gigantic bite out of YouTube. I don't, think it, I don't think it would. Oh, it would decimate it. No, I, I completely disagree. Because the, te- the technology that Netflix uses is so far superior to the technology that, that, that YouTube uses. It'd crush it. And plus, people then would say, Netflix is a pay service. If my content's really good, I could get paid at some point. Well, the idea is that you get paid on YouTube as well. And the thing about YouTube that makes it so great is the fact that it is free to the user. So, you know, you think about, yeah, most people, what was it, 46 million people watched Bird Box in like one weekend over the holidays. So they've got a lot of subscribers, certainly. But... You know, and then Amazon Prime probably has as many, but those a lot of the Amazon Prime people aren't using the video side of their membership. You limit your audience by taking on one of those. Whereas with with YouTube, it's it's open to everybody, and it has become the gold standard for where you go for video content. And I just don't think anybody has the legs to to break in there. People didn't think that boxing would ever not be the number one sport in the country. I believe it can. I believe it can happen. I believe that abuse such as this is what downfalls giant companies. You know, boxing fell. At one time, boxing was a number one sport in the country. Boxing fell due to poor management, due to crooked promoters, due to too many titles. Google yeah, but it didn't, will do the same thing. But it didn't fall. It, it fell because of public interest, not because of nefarious business practice against their competition. And that's what I think Google has the potential to do. Whether or not they're doing it already... I, I can't speak to that, and I don't. I, I have a feeling they're probably fairly litigious, so I don't want to go too far because they'll pull us from the Apple Play Store or the Google Play Store. But, uh, um, but they just have such a long reach that they could they they could very easily, if they decided to, block any competition for ever seeing the light of day. I, d- I don't believe they could. I believe in the free market too much to think they could. But this is one of those things we just agree to disagree on. Fair enough. You know, we have pl- we have plenty of those in life, and that's that's the that's the foundation of a good friendship: being able to agree to disagree. Well, not know, having to be right. I've I've always been, I've always been the kind of person that doesn't like that phrase: agree to disagree. Just because it basically says, you know what, I'm not going to change your mind. You're not going to change my mind, but. It, it, I've always I've always heard it couched in the context of you're too stupid to change your mind. Th- that's the way I've always heard it. That doesn't always have to be the case, um, but there are opportunities. You know, we sat down on Sunday and had a conversation, and you said something that that I really like in 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 lieu of that phrase which was we were talking about something and it was another situation where we had differing opinions respectfully discussing and rather than say agree to disagree what you said was um i don't know that i agree with that but but i understand your logic and i don't have any at this point i don't possess the data to dispute your logic because agree to disagree just means i'm i'm done with you but whereas that you give some affirmation to the person you're talking to that okay i'm hearing you but m- my mind is still where my mind is and i just i think that's a a more respectful way of ending a conversation you know on on better terms than just okay shut up let's change the subject yeah and it's all about you have to decide in life if you're going to try to be the guy that's always right or if you're going to just try to enjoy and take in the experience. You know, I'm, I'm going to go to real estate school and get my real estate license. And people say, well, you already know all that stuff. There could not be a worst attitude for me to walk into real estate school than I already know this stuff. Right. Why anybody would walk into any endeavor with that kind of thought process blows my mind. No, but and, and I completely agree. I'm always on... The, Learn. I never stop learning. I don't ever want to stop learning. And but back to your original point, having the kind of friendships and relationships with people where you can just go, you know what, uh, we disagree on this. Let's but and it not affect it not erupt into some explosion of of egos and attitudes and stuff like that. I think that's just I think that's a mark of a, a of a well rounded person. So the only other thing that I want to touch on tonight. Um, 
the Padrone documentary that oh, I yeah. spoke I, about. I still week. haven't seen it. And, you know, I, I said on the show last week that I would make sure I sat down and watched it before this week's show. And, and I, I hate to admit it, but your, your review of it has kind of tempered that for me a little bit. The information purveyed in the documentary was good. I found out a lot about the famous picture of Jose Padron handling the cigar to Castro and how that had, you know, affected his business and how they tried to bomb the Padron factory in Miami. Um, I found out a lot of interesting information. But the production value was so low. I mean... It looked like five guys got together with iPhones and tried to shoot this thing. Yeah. You know, and, and Jose Padron was in it, and he was so gracious. And it, they did not do justice to the material they were presented with and the access they was presented with to the Padron factory by virtue of how poor they were at all of the technical aspects. That is such a shame. It is, because I mean, they, they were given great access. You got to see the Padron factory, parts that people would never see. They had a one-on-one interview with Padron. Well, one-on-two, because he had a translator. His son, Jorge, was there translating. And they were given lots of very nice cigars and were treated so well. But, man, the production value was so horrible. I was just, I was... It was one of those things that I love the information, but it was so hard to gather it from the way they presented it. Yeah. And also, the Padron documentary, I give it two out of five stars. I, I am still going to watch it, and it, I, I'm glad you brought it up again, because I will make sure I watch it before next week's show, because so, well, I, I want to talk about it with you. Uh, but, yeah, knowing that I was going... Because I, I can sit through a lot, and this is where you make fun of me for the movie I went and saw this weekend, but I can sit through a lot... But, you know, knowing I have to be in the right frame of mind to know that I'm going to have to be struggling to listen to it and I'm going to have to be focused and I'm not really going to enjoy it visually or auditorily. Um, You know, so I just I have to get myself in that frame set so that I that that mind frame so that I can sit down and, and watch it. Well, and as somebody who's shot a documentary or two in your life, you may have a different take on it. I really want you to watch it. You can tell me, am I expecting too much out of these guys? If anything, I feel like, and this is part of the reason I got out of the industry, was because I become so judgmental. And it's why I don't go watch a lot of movies also. You know, I can can have a tendency to be a little too judgmental on these things. So hopefully that won't be the case. But I am really interested in the information that's conveyed. Well, I'm only about halfway through this cigar. I've still got half a cigar to enjoy after the show. Wonderful cigar. I love it. I can't wait for you to smoke one and tell me what you think about it. Um, just if you if you see them in a shop, they're in a red box that looks like a car trunk. That was part of the gimmick. Mm-hmm. Was that the box looks like a car trunk? Buy all of them they have. You'll never regret it. All right. Well, until next week. Um, want to remind everybody that we can you can get a hold of us info at cigarcast.com uh, via email facebook.com slash the cigarcast and also on instagram and twitter at the cigarcast well thank you everybody for listening and until next week have a great cigar and think well of us mm-hmm.